0: Hey, good morning, welcome to Collective. Uh, we're so glad that you guys are here today. Before we begin, uh, I want to draw your attention to the connection card that was on your seat when you first came in. Now, if you were in the last few rows, we've got some people that are going to hand those out to you right now, actually. And this is something that we'd love for you to fill out, whether this is your first time, second time you've been here from the beginning. We'd love for you to take an opportunity to fill this out. And here's a few reasons why. The first is this. We'd love to know that you were here. It's a way that we can connect with you to, to know that you are with us this morning. Uh, but even, even beyond that, we'd love for you to fill it out, and at the bottom, you'll notice there's a spot for prayer requests. And we'd love for you to fill that out. Uh, this is something that our staff gets together every Wednesday and we pray for those things. And uh, it's something that we, we love and it's a time that we cherish and we want you guys to know that we want to pray for you. And although right now, because we're new, we might not know all of you uh, personally yet, we want to. And so if you have something that's on your heart, something that you're like, man, I just need prayer for, we'd love for you to fill out that card, put that down there. Uh, Because like I said, every Wednesday, our staff gets together and we pray over those things. Uh, I do want to say, if you are somebody who's done that in the past, we just want to say thank you. Uh, We know it's not easy to share that. Um, There's this moment where you're writing it down, like hoping that somebody looks at it. Uh, And we do, and we we don't take it lightly. The other thing I I would say is a lot of the things that we see Uh, and we're actually gonna talk about this a little bit more next week, Uh, you're not the only person who who wrote that down. Uh, The things that you are going through in your life, the pain that you feel, the things that you need prayer for, you are not alone in that. And that's something that we experience each week uh, as we read through this. So we'd love for you to fill this out. The other thing is if you are a first time guest here, we'd love for you to fill this out because what we do at Collective is if you are a first time guest and you fill out the connection card and you drop it off in the lobby on your way out, we actually donate $2 for every card that's filled out to a local organization. And this quarter we've sponsored the Frederick Rescue Mission's toy drive. And over the last three weeks, we've had 71 first time guests. And so it's $142 that are going to buy toys For kids who uh, who need to have a good Christmas. And so when you're a first time guest and you fill that out, you are not just here at Collective, but you are partnering with us in the organization. And so we'd love for you to fill that out. Now, if this is your second time here, we'd love for you to fill it out and bring it out to the lobby as well, because we actually have a gift for you uh, just to say thank you for coming back to Collective. And you'll see at the welcome table, there's some um, crates full of t-shirts. It's our way of just saying, thanks for coming back. Thanks for checking this out again. Uh, and honestly, thanks for giving a t- giving us the opportunity to, to be with you this morning. And so we'd love for you to fill that out. Um, you can drop it in the offering later, or if If you're a first or second time guest, go ahead and head out to the lobby when you're done and drop those off. So I have a confession to make. I hate Aldi. I think Aldi is the worst. And for those of you who don't know, Aldi is a grocery store that has developed a cult following all over the world. It sells incredibly cheap food that's organic, and it's the worst. Uh, about a year ago, I went f- to Aldi for the first time. My daughter was a little bit over a year old, and so she was essentially drinking a gallon of milk every day. And we had friends that said, hey, go to Aldi. You can buy like 40 gallons of milk for $7, so you should go. And so uh, on, a, on a Friday morning, I took my daughter and we went. Uh, and as we got there, I realized in the parking lot, like I've been to grocery stores before. I go shopping with my daughter all the time. But there was something different about Aldi from the moment that I pulled in. I walked down and and the first thing I tried to do was grab a cart. If you've been to Aldi before, you know. And so I pulled on the cart and I couldn't get it. And I look and and you realize the carts are actually all chained together. And I'm like, man, that's weird. I kind of grew up in a rough neighborhood. So I'm like, well, maybe I get that, maybe. Like, I don't know. And and, and so I'm like tugging on this cart. I've got my kid in one hand. I'm like pulling this thing. And so finally I'm like, okay, I'm just going to use all my strength. I'm just going to rip this thing and we're going to go shopping. And before I made a complete fool out of myself, this sweet woman came up to me and she goes, oh, honey, And she hands me a quarter and I was like, thanks, like, I guess, maybe I'll take that. I don't know, maybe that's what milk costs. And so then she said, no, you gotta slide it in the slot. So you take this quarter, you slide it into the slot, it releases your cart. If you've been to Aldi before, you're like, yeah, if you've never been before, you're like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard of. And it is, you're not wrong. And so I got my cart and you know, the the beginning experience I wasn't super pumped about, but I thought, you know what, like saving money, let's go do this. And so uh, I got my cart and I walked inside and once I went through the doors, I found myself in the maze that is Aldi. Aldi is set up intentionally to create movement so that there's nowhere to go when you walk in. You can't go to the left. You can't go to the right. You can't like dart your way to produce. You have to go straight down this aisle that sells a bunch of things like Capri Suns and umbrellas. And so I was like, okay, like I just need to go to the back, but that's fine. I'm going to go through this corral and, and, and I kind of moved and I got to kind of the feeding in the feeder part of the store where everybody kind of dumps into Aldi. And I realized as I looked around, like I didn't know where to go. So I'm trying to find lunch meat and vegetables and there are no signs. And I look around I'm like, well, maybe I'll ask, a cash, or maybe I'll ask somebody that works there. And there's nobody wandering around except for the cashiers in the front. And so I was completely lost and I didn't know what to do. Now, I don't often feel like a complete moron, but this was a moment in my life where I was like, yes, I'm a complete moron. I cannot figure out how to shop at Aldi. And so I started looking at the people around me and started realizing, like, if you've been to Aldi before, there's kind of like a, a rhythm that these people have. Like, people who go all the time know where to walk. They know where to go. And, and so I'm like, okay, I just got to imitate what these people are doing. And so I, I walk down the one aisle and I start picking things up. And as I get to the end, I realize, oh, no, I need to go back. And so I turned my cart around and I started to walk against traffic towards the back of the store. And as I'm walking against traffic, I see this woman who's watching me and she's slowly dying inside because I just don't know how to Aldi. I don't know. Eventually, I just gave up. I couldn't find everything I needed. I felt like every time I turned a corner, like a puppy died. Like people were just so upset with how I was trying to shop in this grocery store that I, just, I had enough. So I took what few groceries I had, not everything I needed, and I thought, I just got to get out of this place. And so I walked to the front, and I thought the torture was over. (laughs) Again, if you've ever been to Aldi, you know, what do you bring? Bags, right? Didn't know this. I've got a kid in one hand, some food. I'm not even sure I'm going to eat. I just started throwing things in the cart. And I'm up at the front, and I start putting my things on on the the belt, and they start going through, and she's taking my stuff, and she's throwing it right back into my cart. And I'm kind of looking at her, and I'm like, I I don't know what's happening right now. And she looks at me and she has points and there's a stack of brown bags that you can buy for like 10 cents. And so I panicked and I bought 10 of them and I'm just like, just get me out of here. So I took my bags, I took my food, I went to the counter, I packed my own groceries and I left vowing to never return to Aldi ever again. It was awful. I still have never been back to Aldi to this day. My wife has asked, can we go to Aldi? And I say, no, like I'm not going. And so I don't know if I'll ever go to Aldi again. Uh, The way that I felt not knowing how to get a cart, how to enter the store, where to walk, the way that I felt as I walked against traffic and people stared at me like I was crushing their soul, it it left me leaving that place going, man, I never want to be a part of this again. It was awful. But the reality is it's just Aldi. Some of you have had that experience with Aldi before and you've been back. I don't know why, but you've done it. Uh, And it's because it's just Aldi but what if that's how we feel when we come to church? Some of you feel that same way when it comes to church. You've had a bad experience. You were looking for hope. You were looking for grace. You were simply looking for something that's better than what's going on in your life right now, but before you ever showed up to see maybe maybe Jesus could be the solution, the church, or Christians, got in the way. They put up barriers of weird religious rules that aren't found in the Bible in order to make it harder for you to experience Jesus. Or you showed up a hot mess, and before you ever got in the door, Christians began to throw stones and made your brokenness your identity. Maybe you were a part of a church where leaders lost focus and left a trail of people in their wake, and you were one of them. You've been burnt by the church, even though that's not at all how Jesus intended his church to be. So this week, we're in week four of our series called God for the Rest of Us. We've talked about how God is for the outcast, how God is for the forgotten, how God is for the unbeliever. And next week, we're actually talking about how God is for the broken. And just a side note on that, You want to be here next week. I promise you, you won't regret it. It's going to be a really, really good Sunday. And so we're finishing up with God for the Broken. But today, we're talking about what I think is the trickiest topic in this series, which is God for those burnt by the church, because God is for those burnt by the church. And when we say church, we really mean church people that make up the church. And just to be honest, I had about four or five pages of notes coming in today that I just got rid of, because there are so many things I want to say on this topic. Now, I'm going to soapbox for a second before we begin. Since the moment I entered ministry, I started in ministry when I was 23 years old, and since the moment I entered ministry, I have met people who were legitimately hurt by the church. I've met people where churches have told them that they were too broken to be healed, I've met people who've gone to church where churches have turned their backs on them because of a messy divorce or brokenness that they're experiencing in life or something major that was going on. I've met people who have been to churches that have created barriers and made it impossible for people to experience grace and to hear the truth that Jesus taught. But just as often as I've met those people, I've also met people who've talked about how the church has burnt them, and it just isn't true. A few years ago, I worked in a church uh, in Glen Burnie, and I once met a couple that left their previous church, showed up at this church in Glen Burnie because they didn't like the style of music. Music is a preference. Uh, I'm sorry, for some of you, you're like, no, music is a preference. The reason why we play music this way at Collective, it's a preference. This is the way that we feel like we can reach more people in this city. This is, honestly, if you know our band, this is where they thrive and where they're talented. We want to play music that people hear on Sunday that feels like something they might hear during the week. We want to play music that's intentionally geared towards people who have never been to church before, but that's a preference. Every once in a while, we change it up, and the reason why we do that is because we want people to know the way we do worship on Sunday morning is how we think is best for our team and best for the church, but the way we worship isn't the only way to worship, which is why some some days, on Sundays, you'll see we'll tone it down, and in a few months, we'll do a Christmas series, and you'll see us tone it up a little bit. It'll be really good. (laughs) But to say that the church hurt you because you didn't like their style of music, it's preference. Get over it. When moving to Frederick, we met a couple that was connected to a sister church of ours and they had recently left their church because they lived in Frederick and they didn't want to drive the 30 minutes to the church they were going to, which we completely understand. But what they told other people was that their previous church had actually burnt them. The narrative was that the church didn't care about their family And the reality was they didn't want to serve on a Sunday morning. They wanted to sleep in. They wanted to get brunch and then go to church. And instead of saying that to the church that they were attending, they disappeared. And when people asked them why they left, they told them the church didn't care about their family. The reality was the church cared about the space and the environment that they were creating so people could bump into Jesus, and they realized that this family helped that. And to be honest... It isn't fair to people who have been truly hurt by the church or wounded by the church when people walk away saying the church hurt them over preference. And so here's one thing that we understand. We know collective does things a very specific way. A lot of it is preference. It's the way that we think it's best. You know, the reason why we do it an hour on Sunday mornings. We think that's best. We think that's best for us. We think that's best for you. But the reality is it's preference. And eventually, you know, spend enough time with collective, there'll be things that you're like, man, I'm not sure I love that. The thing we want you to know, though, is even if you don't love it, you're still totally welcome here. Even if the way we do worship isn't your preference, it's okay. Um, And if there's another church that does it in your style, that's fine. What we want you to know, though, is that that is your choice. Okay, soapbox over, sorry. So in the book of Matthew, Jesus actually teaches his most famous sermon. And it's essentially Jesus taking what his followers had learned in the Old Testament and moving everything a step further, And he's teaching his followers, and essentially the whole Sermon on the Mount is him teaching his followers how to live a life aligned with him. And there's a major chunk in the middle where he talks about how to treat other people, how to love people, how to care for people. And ultimately what he's teaching them is how to live a life that leads people to Jesus. And so we're going to read a small chunk out of the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 7, verses 7 through 12. And we're going to read it together, then we're going to go through it uh, bit by bit. And so if you've got a Bible or a smartphone, take it out, Matthew 7. It'll be up on the screen for you to check out as well. And this is what Jesus is saying, again, in the midst of this big sermon, but this part specifically focusing on his church and what these followers need to hear about his church. Matthew 7, 7 through 12. This is what Jesus says. Do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And so today, when we talk about how God is for people that are burnt by the church, we're actually just going to talk about collective. We're not going to talk about other churches in the world. We're not going to talk about Frederick because we can only control what we control. We're going to talk about collective. And in these five verses, we learn three things that Jesus teaches us on how the church should respond to people who are asking, seeking, and knocking. So, the first section, Matthew 7, 7 through 8, let's read it again. This is what Jesus says Ask and it will be given to you, seek and you will find it, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. What Jesus is saying here is that people who are asking, seeking, and knocking need to be able to find Him a lot of times the church and Christians in general will use kind of these two verses and say, oh, this is us praying to God, and when we pray to God, if we ask, seek, or knock, he'll give us what we're asking for. And the reality is we're taking that out of context. Jesus isn't saying it's necessarily about prayer. It's about him. People who are seeking him out, people who are asking, people who are knocking on that door, Jesus is saying, if people do that, they will find me. He's saying that any person that wants to find him should be able to. So the first thing I want us to take away today as a collective is the church should not get in the way of people who are asking, seeking, and knocking every April, I go to a church planning conference called Exponential. It's when a bunch of pastors get together in Orlando and hug each other for a few days. Um, Now, I know like saying I go to church conferences, you guys are going to judge me hardcore and I totally understand. Uh, The conference is everything you imagine a church conference would be. It's a bunch of hipsters, people with free hug signs, and people waking up at 5 a.m. to get a good cup of of coffee saying how blessed they are. Uh, It's great. Um, Now, but the reality is like, although it might be your nightmare to be together with a group of 5,000 pastors, Exponential is this incredible conference. And a few years ago, in 2014, uh, this guy had this opportunity to preach named Jim Bergen. And um, Jim is kind of a loose cannon. Uh, he actually started his talk letting the whole crowd know that he has ADHD and also doesn't have a filter. And so uh, a lot of, uh, there was a lot of tension in the room. You could feel people wondering, okay, what is this guy going to say next? And as he was sharing that day, his message was about planning churches, but specifically, he was talking about how when you plan a church, you plan it for the broken and messy people. And Jim shared this story. One Sunday, Jim was in the bathroom after church when a man named Richard walked in. Uh, ignoring all social standards, Richard actually walked right up to Jim and hugged him while Jill was, Jim was still standing at the urinal. Um, Jim awkwardly laughed and asked Richard to walk outside and talk to him in the lobby. And after Jim got to talk to Richard for about half an hour, he had learned that Richard was homeless, and he lived within walking distance of the church. Jim also found out that at a young age, Richard was molested by a family member, and that didn't stop until he ran away as a teenager. After living on the street for a while, Richard began to look for a safe place to take him in. When he was a kid, he grew up in the church, and he heard stories about how Jesus cared for poor people, and cared for the outcast and so he thought maybe I should go to church and so the first time Richard went back to church after years of, of being far from God after years of running away after everything he had gone through he walked into a church and asked if he could stay there that night and the church said no because he missed the sermon and so Richard walked out of that church and for years he never went back to another church Eventually, Richard's life began to continue to spiral and spiral out of control until he hit rock bottom. And so he figured, okay, I've got nowhere else to go. I'm going to try church again. And so he started showing up at churches, but he kept getting turned away. His story he actually says he Googled churches with grace in the title, hoping he would find it, but he didn't. Everywhere he went, he was pushed away. He was told that he was too broken that his past was something that he needed to keep private because he was making people uncomfortable. He was told he was too dirty and unkempt. He was even asked to leave church one day because he sang too loud. And one day Richard was at at breakfast and a waitress came up to him and asked him how he was doing and Richard decided to bare his soul to this woman he had never met before and just let her know, I've been searching and I've been trying to find Jesus and I've been trying to find a solution to what I'm going through and I don't know if it's church and I don't know if it's Jesus but everywhere I go, I'm told I don't belong. And the waitress was a member of Jim's church and said, hey, you should check out this church that I go to. And so Richard went. And six weeks later because he was welcome there. He gave his life to Jesus, and he was baptized. One of the <laughs> it's a good story. One of, the reason, one of the reasons why people get burnt by the church is because they are asking and seeking and knocking. But before they ever get close to Jesus, they run into us, his followers. They run into people who make barriers and obstacles, obstacles that keep people out, obstacles that Jesus didn't create. We do that for him. And the result is people who are asking and seeking and knocking can't even get close enough to Jesus to see maybe this is the solution for what I'm going through in my life. The reality is if a person rejects Jesus because they struggle with his teaching or don't wanna live a life in alignment with him, that's on them, that's their decision. But if a person rejects Jesus because of something the church did, that's on us. Something I've had to ask myself as we got into this church planning journey, as we started Collective, is as a church, are we helping people who are asking, seeking, and knocking get close enough to bump into Jesus, or do we get in the way? Because the reality is the number one reason why people tell me they've given up on Christianity has nothing to do with Jesus. It has everything to do with the obstacles that Christians in the church have created. And this is why collective as a church, this is why we don't want to get in the way of people who are asking and seeking and knocking. Jesus continues, Matthew 7, 9 through 11. Which one of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Now Jesus is telling a parable here. The reality is this is a made-up story, but he's trying to prove a point. And he picks kind of like this extreme parable. This isn't a small thing. like He makes it as extreme as possible because he wants people to know it's incredibly clear what he is trying to say. And what he is saying is that even the worst parent uh, wouldn't give their child a stone when they ask for bread or a snake when they ask for a fish. And Jesus says, even you who are evil. By evil, Jesus isn't saying, you horrible, wicked parent. What he's saying is, you imperfect, spiritually broken person. Those kind of parents. That's me. If you're a parent, you get that. What he's saying is, every parent knows that if their child needs food, you feed them. You don't give them a rock. And if imperfect, broken parents understand that, God, your Father, who is perfect, will give even better gifts. Those gifts being Jesus, being forgiveness of sins, eternity in heaven, hope and grace and peace what Jesus is saying, that every single person on this planet should expect the same thing from the church. They should expect, if they are hungry, that they're given food and not stones. And the second thing is this, the church collective should not be a place where hungry people receive stones. When people show up at Collective, and, and you guys get this, especially being five weeks old, you, every single one of you understood this when you walked in here. As you, as you parked your car and you walked up their stairs, you were wondering, what will I find here? You were wondering, will someone like me be in this place? Will they accept me as I am? Does this place really have anything to offer? And a lot of you have put an ultimatum, okay, if this does have something to offer, I might come back. But if not, I'll move on and find something else. Before we launched in September, we spent about a year building our team. So we've got about 50 team members that are part of Collective that called Collective their church home before we ever launched, which is incredibly weird. We weren't doing Sunday mornings, and they're like, hey, this is my church. And so we did that for about a year. But this, this summer, we actually hit a rough patch. In June, there was a family that was a part of our team that started throwing stones to be honest, they struggled with our team's brokenness. Um, and they refused to acknowledge their own. And instead of offering bread for the hungry, they threw stones. They put up barriers. And so I sat down with them and we talked and we talked through it and we talked about what Jesus says, about how we're not supposed to get in the way of people approaching Jesus, even if they're messy, even if they're broken. And as we talked, I gave them a choice give bread, and continue to be a part of Collective, or continue to throw stones and walk away. And they chose to walk away. And I'd be lying if I said that it didn't hurt. But Collective is a place full of broken and messed up people. And it's a place where you can belong before you believe, but it's a place where you're not allowed to beat someone up as they try to figure out what they believe. And it's a place where you can't throw stones at broken people as they try to pursue Jesus. Jesus finishes this up. So the first two things were Jesus telling his church what not to do. And the third thing, he says, okay, these are the things that you shouldn't do. Here's what you should do. This is what he says in Matthew 7, verse 12. So in everything, do to others what you'd have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And so the third thing is this. The church should do to others what they would have them, or what you would have them do to you. Do you guys know what that is? You've heard that before? It's the golden rule, right? Here's the great thing. Jesus didn't invent the golden rule. Actually, Jesus is rephrasing a very famous saying that was around hundreds, if not thousands of years before Jesus ever showed up. But before Jesus ever showed up, this, the actual saying was this. This is what it was. Don't treat others the way you don't like to be treated, do you know that every major religion in the world has some form of the golden rule? Every single one of them. But the thing that makes Jesus different, and the thing that makes his church different, and things that makes his teaching different, is Jesus is the only one who phrases it from a positive position. Every other world religion in ancient society phrased it from the negative position. Confucius said, never impose on others what you would not choose for yourself. In ancient Egypt, they said, that which you hate to be done to you, do not do to another. Ancient Greece was, do not do to others what would anger you if done to you by others. In ancient Rome was, expect from others what you did to them. The last one's super blunt. <laughs> Jesus changes this phrase from the negative to the positive. He's not talking about how to avoid bad stuff coming back to you. He's not talking about karma. He's talking about making the world a better place. And when he says, treat others the way you want to be treated, what he is saying to his church and to his followers is this. He's telling his church to go first. Do to others, not what they've done to you. It's not uh, due to others, not before they do it to you. It's not protect yourself. It's not due to others so that bad stuff doesn't happen to you. It's due to others what you would have them do to you. Jesus wants his church, and his followers, to set the tone. It says, keep on treating people the way you want to be treated. He finishes this up by saying, for this sums up the law and the prophets. And whenever Jesus says, this sums up the law and the prophets, what Jesus is saying is, that's the whole Bible. This is how you can sum it up. Treat others the way you want to be treated. There's another time when when these religious leaders came to Jesus and they tried to trap him and they said to Jesus, okay, of all the rules, of all the things that we've learned in the Old Testament, of all the things that you're teaching right now, what's the one rule that we all need to follow? And the reason why they were doing this because religious leaders wanted Jesus to prove that he wasn't the son of God or they wanted to trap him and get him in a corner and they wanted to fight him or debate him. And in Matthew 12, there's this wonderful interaction where these these Pharisees ask him, okay, Jesus, what's the number one thing that we all need to know? And Jesus doesn't miss a beat. This is what he says, Matthew 12, uh, 30 through 31. He says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. He says, the second is this, love, the, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. It's another time when Jesus is saying, okay, here it is. This sums up the law and the prophets. Love God, love people. The way that you love God is you, you, you keep his commandments. You follow what he says. You, you walk in alignment with him. The way that you love people is to treat other people the way you want to be treated. Jesus is saying everything sums up in these two points. And so when I think about collective, when I think about this church, when I think about what this room looks like, even if as a church we do everything else right, even if we have a great band every week, which I think we do, even if we eat delicious food in our small groups, which we definitely do, uh, even if we serve the community with everything that we have and we give everything we can to the city, if we don't love God and love people first, and we don't treat people the way we want to be treated, we're missing it. And the result of that is people get hurt, is that people who are asking and seeking and knocking are told they can't find what's on the other side, is that people who are pursuing Jesus get burned by the church. Here's the deal. Some of you can look back at a time in your life when you were asking, seeking, and knocking And the church got in the way. And I know some of you here today, I know the church has burnt you. Barriers were put up that made it impossible for you to experience Jesus. Stones were thrown as you wrestled with your brokenness and the mess that is your life. And somewhere along the way, Christians got in the way. If you're one of those people today, I just want you to know that I'm really sorry. I want you to know that I'm sorry that you've had that experience. That at some point in your life, Christians or the church made it impossible for you to experience grace and impossible for you to experience Jesus. And I want you to know that God is for you. That when God created his church, when he told his followers what to do, that he had you in mind. And he wanted to remove any obstacle and any barrier, and anything that could get in the way of you asking, seeking, and knocking. And so if this has ever happened to you, please know that this doesn't come from God. God doesn't want to keep you away. God doesn't want you to feel burnt by the church. God wants you to know that he loves you, and that he told his people to as well. And although collective isn't perfect, uh, we will certainly make mistakes uh, because we're a church full of broken and messy people. And in case you didn't know this, it's led by an incredibly broken and messy person. If you are looking for truth according to Jesus, no one here will get in your way. No one here will throw stones at you. And this is a safe place where you can ask, seek, and knock and experience Jesus. And although I can't fix, and this church can't fix, what you've gone through, we can at least move forward together. Let's pray. God, thank you. Um, God, to be honest, sometimes reading the Bible is really hard. (laughs) Uh, God, sometimes reading what you said and, and how you taught and how you, you started your church and how you led followers, sometimes it's, it's just really hard uh, because, God, to be honest, it's not what we see. And because of that, we've been hurt. God, I just pray for anybody here today that feels that they've been hurt or let down by your church or by your followers. God, that they know that that's not from you. God, that you make it so clear Love God, love people. God, that you make it so clear, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. God, that you make it so clear that your church and the people who do follow you are supposed to set the tone in providing a safe place for people to ask and to seek and to knock. And God, that we're not supposed to get in the way. So God, I pray for those people that have that feeling that they know that that's not from you. And God, that you are for them. God, I pray as a church, as we as we <laughs> move into week six, um, God, that you lead us. God, that we recognize that this is a church full of broken people. God, that we recognize that this is a safe place for people to ask, seek, and knock. And as a church, we do everything we can to get out of the way, and let you change lives. God, thank you for your church. I know sometimes we're not sure about that, but God, thank you for your church. God, thank you that we get to do this and be a part of this. God, help us do this the right way. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen.